welcome to Day 190 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Camp here with uh, Matthew Kresge and Katie Kresge as we continue to read through Paul's letters. Uh, We've come to a unique section. Uh, We've done Paul's, you know, regular epistles, which he is very much written while he's working and doing the missionary journeys. And, of course, his prison epistles, he's written while in prison. And uh, we've come to his pastoral epistles where he is... Uh, writing to young men uh, who he's put in some very difficult situations and encouraging them and giving them instructions on how to uh, how to how to set up the church that would be most effective in accomplishing God's purposes. So we come to Titus, uh, Timothy. We know a lot about. There's a lot of background and a lot of history on Timothy. Uh, we know very little about Titus. We see him show up in some key places. Of course, one of the most interesting places he shows up is. In the book of Galatians, whenever there was a controversy over circumcision, Paul took Titus, who was a Greek, with him to Jerusalem. And after listening to the arguments on both sides of the issue, Titus uh, felt did not feel compelled that he needed to be circumcised, that he was completely comfortable following you know, God as a Greek under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we find him here in the book of Titus with one of the most difficult assignments. Uh, he's on the island of Crete. The people there are notorious as kind of an outlaw, you know, type of colony. There are people who, uh, I guess, in Greek culture, Zeus was born on the island of Crete, and uh, Zeus himself was quite a philanderer and quite a manipulator and uh, played fast and loose with the truth, and the people in many ways took on the characters of the god that they were worshiping. So Paul is introducing them to a new god and to a new character in, in the book of Titus. So let's pick up in the book of Titus, chapter 1. Before we do, as we always do, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Matt, do you mind leading us? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, time in it together, um, not to just read it, but to be shaped by it. And we pray that as we open up um, Titus today, that that God, you would glorify yourself in us and and through us, that, that Father, you would use um, these words to convict us, to bring us into um, a, a deeper relationship uh, with you. And, and Father, um, use this time as you see fit. We thank you for um, the means that, that we have to be able to do this, and we thank you for uh, the way that even now and in this season we continue to, to get to be your church um, in this place and, and shaped by your word together. So, God, use this time. Uh, give us wisdom. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised beforehand, before the beginning of time, and now at the appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true son, and our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete is that you might put in order what was left unfinished, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. 
For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they're disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they'll be sound in faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Well, that ends on a nice it's happy note. It's hard to note. stop there. It yeah. really is. You want to keep going and find the good stuff. Yes. You, however, must teach what is appropriate. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. For the very next line, and we'll yeah. pick you up and you'll pick up there. Uh, tomorrow, but you do see the challenge, you know, that is you know, before, uh, mm-hmm. you know, before Titus. This is a very difficult, you know, situation. As Timothy was also. Timothy was in Ephesus, which is a city uh, where Paul had a fantastic ministry, but also suffered great, you know, persecution. Uh, as you'll see a little bit more when we slide into Second Timothy, I'll kind of outline that, uh, you know, a bit more. Uh, but it really was kind of an outlaw colony. It really was kind of a, a free for all. Uh, many of the people who lived on the colony were mercenaries, so they had kind of a, a, a wild lifestyle, you know, is, is characteristic of it. And uh, it, it was a tough place to have the culture, uh, you know, of, of the gospel, a culture mm-hmm. of sacrifice and of faithfulness and of truth and of love and, and devotion to one another. So Titus does have a tough assignment, and he's not to take the assignment on alone. He's to take it on with other godly leaders, which is uh, really important that uh, in every church that you have a multitude of you know, godly leaders that are ready, ready to be everything the gospel calls them to be and uh, ready to lead from the truth of the gospel. Mm. So what are some of the things that stand out as you guys look at this passage? I love the opening of the letter um, when he shares the reason for writing to him and um, so he says, Paul, servant of God. So unusual, Katie, for you to start at the very at the beginning. beginning. That I is, know. That's fantastic. I'm so proud of myself. Um, <laughs> a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ to, f- to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life. So you see him writing um, to further their faith and and their knowledge of the truth, which I love that those go hand in hand. Um, it's important for their knowledge to be right of God, that their knowledge would grow deeper, also that their faith would grow too, and so that they would have hope um, in eternal yeah. life. So yeah. I just love that. It's, uh, yeah, that for the faith of their elect through the knowledge that leads to godliness. And of course, mm-hmm. that's when we know that uh, knowledge is taking root in our life when it uh, changes our character right. and conforms us more and more into uh, the image of Christ or more and more into the image of God that we were created to you know reflect from the beginning of you know beginning of creation and of course you have to love the beauty you know also as he goes behind the scene uh, you know he says which God who do- does not lie unlike the gods you worship mm-hmm. is a God of truth mm-hmm. and faithfulness uh, unlike God who does not I mean uh, who does not lie promised before the beginning of time, mm-hmm. uh, which now at his appointed season he's brought to light through the preaching entrusted by the, the gospel. Yeah. So God's eternal decrees slowly opening up and making themselves more and more and more vivid, and finally uh, we see the full revelation in the person mm-hmm. of Christ. You have to love Paul's greetings. I mean, Paul has a way of, of cramming more into a greeting, <laughs> you know, than some of us, like than some of my sermons. I mean. <laughs> 
I mean, all kidding aside, like Paul, Paul's just able to to. Did we really want to take this moment to talk about your sermons? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Um, but I mean, how, how incredible is is it that Paul, even as he's greeting Titus, you know, begins to just kind of unpack these weighty things, and and it's you know, he's like, I just can't wait to get into this because mm-hmm. we have received a great gospel. You know that that now we have been appointed in this season to proclaim to everyone for the, you know, for the further of the faith that God's elect and and the growth in godliness. You know, Paul's concern is that that all people everywhere would come to know God as Savior you know, in Christ Jesus, and, and and then would live lives in accordance with that. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. just enough for Paul to yeah. say, and we see that in the heart of this letter. It's not just enough for him to say, "Hey, we need to preach the gospel everywhere," so people will, you know, hear it and then move on. It's it's about hearing it and responding appropriately for the glory of God, you know, and their godliness. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just love the way he he opens that, you know, the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and now in this appointed season, yeah. he's made us and trusted us to mm-hmm. to preach it. No, that says so much about God, just in those few lines. I mean, that he's eternal, like you mentioned, um, and that he has perfect timing, that he doesn't lie. I mean, it's like three or four different yeah. things yeah. about God's character and about who he is. And especially if you know a little bit of the background where he's in, in big contrast to, you know, the gods that uh, the Greeks were yeah. worshiping. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result of the gods that they were worshiping, they were becoming more and more like those gods. And mm-hmm. as the result yeah. of the God we worship, our call is to be more and more in the character of the one who is faithful and the one who yeah. does not lie. And the one who, you know, in his eternal province is working to redeem all people and restore all people to himself. So you have a beautiful, you know, picture of the gospel. And if you notice, you know, his, uh, uh, you know, Paul's description of elders is not, you know, completely the same as it is in Timothy. There, there's, you know, some divergence on that. So he's really talking in general terms about the kind of people, uh, you know, you're to, you're to look for. And as you go over, it says, for this reason I left you in Crete. That you might put in order you know, what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And here, you know, he just kind of brings it all together. He must hold firmly to the yeah. trustworthy message as has been taught so he can encourage others and refute those who, who oppose it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the, that is the dual assignment that both Timothy and Titus have uh, to teach correct doctrine and also to uh, correct false doctrine. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, he calls them to do it rather firmly. Yeah. I think it's helpful, too, to see that, you know, as his intro led us into it in this passage, like this this deposit, this doctrine that they've received is not something that they get to create or make up. You know, it's it's been given to them by God, entrusted to them. You know, and, and so, yeah, why, you know, why should we, you know, uh, teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine? Why must we hold firm to the sound doctrine? Because it belongs to another. It's a, it's a, I think isn't Peter that calls it the the gospel of the blessed God, you know, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. That is his gospel mm. that he has given to us, entrusted to us, and, and now, you know, in order to be found faithful to him, we we faithfully teach it and hold firm to those truths. 
And, and so you, you see him, you know, you, you talked about this just in context with, you know, the contrast. You know, he's saying, appoint these elders who look like, you know, Christ, who are, who are godly. And yeah, then he contrasts absolutely. it with the other people who, who he rebukes yeah. and the false teachers who mm-hmm. have a completely different character about them. And the, the contrast between these two paragraphs is just striking. Yeah. And another, you know, little feature that, you know, is somewhat embedded in there is, uh, um, you know, since the church itself is a family, uh, these ought to be, you know, men that have excelled in family. Mm-hmm. Uh, their faithfulness to their wife, the way that they raise kids, you know, not overbearing or being harsh, but, uh, you know, kids who are also being formed by the gospel and, and moving, you know, moving by the gospel. So they're just kind of that, uh, you know, little, little bit of under, you know, current there, you know, talking about the church as a family, therefore families is what we want to be good at. Mm. Not meaning that you, you couldn't be single, you know, single or not meaning, you know, that uh, you couldn't, you know, have other, uh, you know, that you necessarily had to be in these circumstances, mm-hmm. but that is the heart of what a church is. Mm. And I love the contrast just between even verse 9 and verse 16. Um, verse 9 being the elder you're looking for, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. You see the fruit of holding firmly to that message, right? And then verse 16, these people claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So there is no fruit. It's bad fruit. You know, they claim they Mm -hmm. might, both, both people might claim to know God, but one actually does and holds firm to that message and one doesn't and there's no fruit, you know? Yeah. So it makes me think, uh, it's a little off topic a, a little bit, but, um, you know, Dallas Willard had a, a paragraph I remember seeing one time reading and then essentially he just said like, when we turn, when we turn our Christianity into just uh, head knowledge and accepting a belief in order to get to heaven and deny you know, I mean, he was so big on, on walking in, in godliness, mm-hmm. you know, and we denied that aspect of it, then what we've done is really just cheapened grace yep. altogether. And the effectiveness of your theology is always what it's turning you into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good theology can turn you into a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, you can have every, you know, doctrine right, but not have the heart of it right. Yeah. And, uh, so, and And there's a lot of people with bad theology that are still being you know formed by Christ and of course what you want is to bring the two together you want a sharper and sharper picture of God but you want a transformative vision of who God is and who mm-hmm. Christ is mm-hmm. you know one that is up uh, you know bringing you know bringing about the fruit of the gospel if the love you in verse 15 to the pure all things are pure but to those who are corrupted and do not believe nothing nothing is pure mm-hmm. and uh, the whole idea again people who have a, a heart that's been transformed by the gospel they have uh, in contrast to these people who are having to make a lot of rules and having to abstain you know, from a lot of you know, different practices and putting fences everywhere to make sure you know, that nobody crosses over the fence. When, when your heart is purified before God and your conscience is clear you know, before God, there's a, a freedom you know, mm-hmm. in the righteousness that we experience from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, of course, we have to hear in light of everything we just said, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. Mm. Katie, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Father, would we be a people that um, that know you, and and our knowledge of you isn't just head knowledge, but it is knowledge that 
um, deeply changes us and transforms us into the likeness of your son? Would we constantly go back to this gospel message um, and be changed by it and, and not see it as something that transformed us one day um, so that we could be, go to heaven when we die, but see it as a, a message, a powerful message that works in us, that you use it to change us and, and um, make us compassionate where we weren't compassionate before, that you make us um, loving and caring and, and see things through the, a gospel lens. Father, I pray that you would um, help us to be that kind of person, those kind of, of leaders um, for your sake, for, um, for your glory. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.